Good morning, everybody. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo coming to you at 12.34 p.m. on November 24th, a Wednesday, following a rather thrilling Dallas Mavericks overtime victory over the Los Angeles Clippers, 112-104. to Josh, how are you? I'm good. That was one of the most Jekyll Hyde wild ass games i think we've seen the mavericks play in some time i know they've played some close games this season uh, that have driven people crazy but in terms of boy first half performance the second half performance um i mean i don't i think you can sum it up and the mavericks in the first half scored 42 points and in the third quarter they scored 38 mm. uh mm. we're like that's it right that's the game it's the difference just it just changed. They just made shots. Yeah. It Crazy was game. a hilarious basketball <laughs> game. Um, starting with the good. Kristaps uh, Porzingis played. He had 30 points. He had seven rebounds. He was 10 of 10 from the free throw line. Somehow committed five turnovers, but I'm not really recalling any of them at the moment played 40 minutes which he has struggled to get past 32 to 33 without looking like ass and it it you know there's been a lot of Porzingis discussion the last two or three days because he had some kind of questionable in my opinion quotes following the Clippers game um some really like read the room moments and, you know, there's been a lot of thoughts about how well he's played relative to that dominant stretch in 2019-20, basically March, like February, March of 2020. And I've, I've just got to say, like for a guy who really, meaning me, who has really kicked the shit out of him for several years, I am just absolutely loving how he's playing basketball right now. Like he he's he's doing the things that we had wanted him to do, meaning rolling to the basket. He's getting he's diving. He's going right for 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 the love of God. Like there's just so much that's working for him, and it allowed you know the Mavericks to weather once again. It allowed the Mavericks to weather subpar performances from Luka Doncic because Luka didn't have a great game, in my opinion. And then Jalen Brunson got hurt, you know, only played 10 minutes. And and Porzingis deserves all his flowers. Really, really great. Like, he had some, I don't want to call it like a great defensive game because I don't know if we're ever going to see Porzingis the way he was, you know, two years ago. But some, some plays where he was active, and I, I'm delighted to see it. What did you think? Yeah, I, I agree completely. And it was, I mean, you just look at his shot chart. Um, he took 16 shots, and you know, of course he had the 10 free throw attempts, but of his 16 shots, uh, five of them were in the restricted area and six of them were in the paint non-restricted area. Kirk, zero mid-range shots tonight for Kristaps. And I mean, I mean, 30 points on 16 buckets is fantastic. Yeah, first time he shot at least 10 free throws since August 4th of 2020, which is the bubble. So he went a full season without uh shooting at uh, having a game of at least 10 free throws. So and that's that was the thing for me. Like the free like if you've been listening to me, I mean the free throw thing is always what I'm looking at because that's showing me 
that he is able to generate some offense without being gifted a layup or, or an mm-hmm. open spot up shot, which is really what they need him to do. And I'm not saying they need him to do it like all the time. They just need, you know, a couple of possessions here or there where, you know, Luca doesn't have to run three pick and rolls in a row where they can just get him the ball in, in decent position and just pass him the ball and he can score it. And, you know, just whether that's, you know, turning around over someone in the, in the short, area of the paint and you know close to the rim or if that's near the free throw line where he can use you know his length and first step to to draw a foul or 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 get someone off balance uh-huh. that's just the stuff we need they need from him uh and it was it was you know like you said it was absolutely huge he had four offensive rebounds i think his offensive rebounding has quietly been one of the best parts of his game it's one of my favorite things it's you just can. one of my favorite things because it gets like there are two things which get him going first scoring second offensive rebounding like he just plays better when he gets to touch that ball in that situation and i i I really it it also seems to surprise the defense that the seven foot three guy is crashing the boards (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh he's averaging a career high in offensive rebounding uh rate i think his it's at nine percent uh, his previous high was seven percent in his rookie season, seven point one, and that goes to show like healthiness too. Like you know, crashing the boards and and doing that kind of stuff uh, shows that he's feeling much more comfortable. I think in his body, uh, the free throws show that he has a little bit of burst back, which is which is crucial. Uh, again, it's just one game, but I mean, it's just one game. But I mean, he's on a he's on a roll right now, and and so. It was disappointing to see him put up the numbers and the Mavericks not able to win because I, I think the biggest differentiator is, you know, because people are trying to figure out well, what's the best stretch of basketball he played. Well, in that 2019-2020 stretch, he had some really drag team over finish line victories. Like the Mavericks beat Milwaukee and Philadelphia on the road without Luka and Kristaps was the guy and he he took them there to those wins. So to see the to see him, you know, still play well but not able to to lead the team to a win without Luca was, you know, a little discouraging. Uh, you know, you can only expect so much without Luca, but you would hope that that if he's playing as well as they, you know, it looks like he's playing and and how people are talking, you would hope that they would get some wins. So, you know, Luca back obviously helps. They got the win. Uh back-to-back games now that Kristaps and Luca have played together. They've both been over 25 points. So mm, that's a fun uh, stat with Luca missing three games in the middle. Yeah. So the last game, you know, in that Denver game, they were both over 25, too. So I mean it's it's good. I mean, there's so there's so much wrong with the team right now in terms of like just role guys are just intermittently missing in action, but that's why you pay Kristaps a lot of money right like you have two guys that can go and win you a game uh and don't need a ton of help uh obviously they did get help but you know like that's how you survive you know Dorian and Tim Hardaway Jr. shot a combined four of 18 from three you survive that because you've got you know an all-world player in Luca, and now what's looking looking like so far knock on wood you know an all-star caliber second second player you know so well and and it's it's got to be you know we've been talking for like six or seven minutes now it's it's underscored by the fact that they survived a really tremendously bad game from tim hardaway jr who just is is in it is in an awful slump at this point he's five of 17 two of 10 from three 
And then Doran Finney-Smith, who finally connected on a pair of threes late, but he was 0 of 6 from distance. And we're not talking like, oh, a close in and out. Like, he was on the right L, uh, right uh, a corner at one point and shot it over the rim. Like, we're talking, oh, no, type threes. And he got a couple to go late, and he played 49 minutes. Yeah. And and it's like there, there were some things that the Mavericks worked through on this, which will hopefully catapult them following a three-day break. Yeah, definitely. And poor Dorian, you know, no Bullock. I mean, they didn't have any – he had to play. I mean, I don't know which – this is, you know, this is why you get a guy like Bullock uh, to, to lessen the load on Dorian, but – he wasn't really playing well before he missed today's game with a non-COVID-related illness. So, I mean, with, with the Clippers playing small, I mean, what else? You, you know, he, Dorian has to play. You just kind of have to grin and bear it. I mean, you're right. There were some, I mean, what was that that play in the first quarter where Paul George wasn't even looking at Dorian on that inbounds pass and Dorian got a practice quality uh, corner three that he missed? I mean, it was it was rough. But the fact that he, I mean, he scored 17 points, which is big, like, uh, you know, he still didn't shoot well from deep, but like seven of 14 from the floor, like he got some buckets in transition and got some buckets around the rim moving without the ball as Luca got double teamed to hell in the fourth quarter in overtime. So I'll take it. You know, the threes need to come around. But with Dorian, like if he's just scoring points, that's just if he's over double figures, I feel like it, it dramatically changes the complexion of the game for the Mavericks because it doesn't feel like they're playing two on five. Uh, for for long stretches, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Where do you want to go now to Luca? I mean, Luca coming back first time in three games with that knee and ankle injury. I mean, you said he didn't play a great game, and, and he had really dominant stretches. Yes, he did. and it was key at the right points. And where I will say where I run into a little bit of frustration with him tonight had m- almost more to do with some schematic things that I'm wondering if we can dive into at a different point. Um, I was curious in the game and now that I've seen it, I just can't unsee it. There's post-up opportunities and um, drives where there's someone always in the short corner. Uh, And for, for people who are unfamiliar with that spot, it's basically the spot between the core, like the actual corner of the court and the block in a given, um, given spot on the floor or you know relative to to the basket so there's the rim the blocks short corner far and like the actual corner which is the out of bounds and repeatedly there was dorian or maxi or dwight there in the corner and i've been seeing it on replays but i've not noticed it until uh tonight and there was just multiple instances of luca having to stop a drive where, because there's another defender there because of the guy in the short corner. Now, if Porzingis is there, that's actually really good. Cause that's, you know, short corner, depending on how big the player is, it, it could also be considered the dunker spot. I don't consider Dorian or Maxi or Dwight to be a effective person to receive an outlet from that position. Porzingis is a different deal. Porzingis actually got a dunk out of it at least once tonight, maybe twice. Um, so I'm a little curious as to what's happening with that. But uh, Lucas' play overall, where he really mowed, you know, the Clippers down at certain points. Like there, were, he was hunting mismatches. There was a uh, a Clippers beat writer like oddly commenting on how Luca was like 
seeking out mismatches and then flexing about it. And it's like, my friend, like the, <laughs> you know, do we not remember? I mean, uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard wore a sweatshirt to a Clippers event of how he dunked over undrafted Maxi Kleba. Like we're not doing this. This is not <laughs> a thing. Um, but I, I thought Luca was really good. And also really uh, one person sent me a message and thought that Luca looked more like thinner. I don't really know if that's correct, but like, I thought he was moving really well for a, for a significant portion of the game. Yeah. He was moving much better than I thought he would. And especially after we got that little injury scare where we thought he might've re-aggravated it, uh, after shoot around yesterday, where we got the story from, from Kelly Kaplan at the Dallas Marine news, where he seemingly at the end of shoot around bang knees with another player and, and was really frustrated and in pain. So it was good to see him moving well. I was really worried, you know, they've got this long break. They don't play again until Saturday. And there was a part of my brain that was just like, man, like why? Like, you know, Luca plays banged up seemingly every season. And just can you find a find some like if you can find some time to give him a rest, it felt like this is it. Like the Mavericks have banked some wins. The rest of the West is kind of in a weird spot. Um, you've got a bunch of days off coming up here with a Thanksgiving holiday and, you know, you're not planning until Saturday. Like, it just felt like, you know, can they, even if they lost this game, I was just worried, like, if Luca plays and looks sluggish and they lose, it just felt like, you know, what did we accomplish here? Uh, but, you know, to, to his credit, and, you know, I said it earlier, I thought, like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he dropped a 40-point triple-double. He didn't do that, but that third quarter run, you know, where he made three, three pointers in the third quarter. Uh, and he was perfect. He was three of three in the paint in that, in that corner quarter. Like that was maybe like the best stretch of basketball I've seen him play this season in terms of like just dominance. Uh, and that won them the game. I mean, I know there's a lot of, you know, overtime they played extremely well, but you know, you look at the Clippers outscored the Mavericks in three out of the four quarters, but the Mavericks won this game because they just blew the pants off this team in the third, outscoring them 38 to 28. Like that run really felt like what the, was the difference in the game because after that run, you know, the Clippers kind of came back and the game kind of went back and forth and was a little more windshield wiper type game. But like that was the only stretch of dominant play from either team. So, uh, and, and when you're talking about a close game, where all these possessions really matter, I think that was the difference. So, like he he came out of that locker room, and I think with the Brunson injury, it would have been really easy for the team to maybe be a little uh, dejected uh, because you know how great is Brunson and how much do they need him to to win games. Uh, so I want you know I that was that was big boy Luca. That was you know leadership. That was you know all the superlatives you want to say for that third quarter run. Uh, you know, he, he put on a show and he put the team on his back when they really needed it. So uh, that was, that was impressive to me. <sighs> I mean, it, it's just one of those wins where had they lost tonight, we would have been kicking them and frankly, <laughs> right, rightfully so. Um, one of the things I'm getting really fed up with, with social media is the kind of putsy fan that doesn't want any criticism this team was either a title contender or they're not. And so we, as fans who are also analysts of the team, are allowed to be a little bit critical. And sometimes I will, will 
cape to the fact that I go overboard. I think you're a lot more fair than anybody else, but I, I occasionally lose my mind, but this team needed to get a win. Like they have to beat these over 500 teams. There's a fair number of people out there who are fine with kicking teams that they're supposed to beat and then losing to teams that they're supposed to lose to. And over the course of the year, that's simply playing 500 basketball. If we want this team to be a, a, a top four team in the West, then they have to show us something. And this game qualifies um, really, really pleased with the overall performance, despite how some things did not go their way. Um, what it tells me and what I'm looking forward to in the long term is if some of these guys that are not playing as well as we've seen them play and hope for them to play, Tim Hardaway Jr. kind kind of being the poster child for this, um, is the Mavericks have a lot of, of variability trending towards being pretty good. Uh, you know, they have a three day break, the Brunson injury or not injury, depending on what it is. Like, I love when the, the PR says, well, he's out with a foot. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, it's like, like, there's a lot there. Like, did he, did he jam his foot? Did he suffer a Liz Frank injury? Like, what are we talking about here, friends? Because the, the Brunson thing is going to matter a lot. Um, he has evolved very strongly into being the second ball handler that we had wanted if he is not that option for six games for 12 games, then the Mavericks have some figuring out to do. Um, but I will say like heading into a Thanksgiving break being 10 at eight, 10 and eight, uh, our, our, our writer Jordan noted this in our Slack today. Where he's like, you know, how would you really be feeling about this team? And I think it comes down to the fact that they've not had enough of these sort of defining wins for you and I, but since we watch every single game, but I think we're all going to be pretty happy with the 10 and eight record. Don't you think? Yeah. And you should be even happier because it's a 10 and seven record. <laughs> so, uh, and I mean, they play two, you know, the next two games are Washington Cleveland, which are not pushover games. So more work to be done. I mean, we're getting close to that 20 game mark, which is usually when some, some trends start to normalize and, we start moving away from small sample size theater into, okay, this is just kind of how things are going to go. The Mavericks maybe have a little bit of qualifier because what KP's missed five games, Luke has missed three. So you've played 17 games and for eight of them, you've been without one of Luca or KP. So that kind of throws things into a wrench a little bit. Maybe it gives them a little bit more time to figure things out. Um, I think before we go, because I, 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 th- I can sense we, we've, we've kind of talked what we need to talk about, you know, Maxi Kleba was huge down the stretch. Mm. I think this was one of his better games, despite the fact that he was only two of six from the field. But what a crazy stat line for him, like nine rebounds, eight assists, two steals and a block. Um, you know, he's, you know, I'm not, you know, obviously, you know, he gets some steals and blocks, but the assists and rebounds, you know, he's not necessarily a great rebounder. I don't know, six assists. I don't have that off the top of my head. That might be a career high for him. And if it's not, it has to be like really, really close. But uh, he was a difference maker down the stretch. I mean, they closed the game with the KP Maxi lineup, which we haven't really gotten to see because KP's been hurt and then Maxi's been hurt. So we got a taste of it and it <laughs> predictably looked really good. The Clippers scored one point in overtime, which is wild. Like Bobby Corral has <laughs> been tweeting about like the team, like that just doesn't happen. And uh, I mean, I don't really know how to talk about this team's defense. Do you? 
No, I mean right now <laughs> the the data says they're middle. You know, they're just as middling as they were. Um, the the prior prior two seasons, I think they're 18th coming into this game, which is right around where they've been the last couple seasons. In my, head, they're getting more deflections, which is nice. Uh, it feels like you know, watching the games, that they're getting more steals and blocks, but they're actually average. They're not really averaging that much more per game, but it feels like it. Maybe that's where the deflections and stuff comes in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Maxi missed a lot of games, and as you know, say what you will about Maxi, and you know, the last two playoffs, and I've certainly said a lot of things about Maxi. Uh, regular for this team to be successful in the regular season, I mean, he's he's important. So I think. We're going to see these next two games I think will be good because I think uh, Washington and Cleveland present some each – they each present some unique challenges for a defense. You know, Washington's got Spencer Dinwiddie and I think – Bradley Beal, I think he's hurt right now. I can't remember. But still, if he's healthy, that's like a really good potent two-guard attack. And then Cleveland is just so weird because they've got like eight centers that play all at the same time it feels like. So they're going to – two drastically different teams stylistically – so it'll be interesting to see what the defense looks like. But simply, like, with all these injuries, like, Kristaps, Luka, and Maxi have all missed so much time. I mean, that trio has not played a lot together. So I'm very curious, uh, now that seemingly all three are healthy, what this team looks like. And I really want to see the data that comes from that trio, Luka, Kristaps, and Maxi, how they're playing together. And, you know, that might be the key to to get the defense on track. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm – I'm looking forward to a break. I'm looking forward to seeing how they play the Cavs after the break. And then the Wizards game is really going to be interesting because the Wizards are a lot better than I think most NBA fans across the board are willing to accept. And they also contain, they also have some players which members of our staff, like Spencer Dinwiddie, like, you know, Xavier and our staff was like so thirsty for him. And it just, one of the things that that's been it, it's like been bubbling to the service because Mark Cuban once again said a thing today which we don't need to talk about right now, but where it just comes back to the fact that like I think a lot of us who are like desperately like like we follow the team way more than is healthy are like kind of tired of being told that we're stupid and then like the you know we see these good players being performing well and it's just oh the Mavericks don't have interest in them in free agency and it's like oh that'd be kind of nice and like the Wizards are sort of a poster child of of players in that in that uh, ilk um, so that'll be a really fun matchup I mean. Mavericks have an opportunity here. You know, it's funny when you go 10 and eight to start the season, um, there's a real, I'm sorry. I keep looking at the Clippers roster, the, uh, the, the 10 and seven for the Mavericks, like being three games above of 500 is really interesting. And if you're like to project that out over an 82 game season, that's a really good record. It's like a really yeah. good record. And I, I, you know, we get, and just because I, as I mentioned on Twitter today, like I want to win every game, <laughs> but that's not, that's not realistic. And yeah. so, you know, like, like being able to be, you know, when, when, if you're playing 20 games and the Mavericks are able to win 12 of them, like over the course of the year, that's, that's a 50 win team, more or less, you know, if, if the ball bounces, you know, their way a couple, uh, a couple of different times. And yeah. There's just a lot to build on here while also a lot of things that they need to get better at. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, one more thing. I know I thought I already said my one more thing, but uh, the thing I'm really curious now, if this Brunson injury uh, keeps him out of games is 
the common denominator in almost every single positive Mavericks lineup this season has been Jalen Brunson. So mm. Mm. Uh, I'm going to be very curious to see how the team plays full games without him. Because the starting lineup data, no matter which starting lineup they've used this season, has been horrific. And just about every lineup with Brunson has been positive. And I'm just I'm just curious because we've seen this Mavericks team get off to multiple bad starts. And then Brunson kind of comes in and stabilizes things and gets them back into it. And right. what's that going to look like without him? So... That might be, you know, that's a dour note to end on, but, uh, you know, that's going to be the thing to watch if, if this is a legitimate injury that makes him this time. Right, right. Man, I, Brad Townsend tweeted about a half hour ago, here's an idea, the Mavs should trade Porzingis. Oh, <laughs> Brad, reading your, your, your timeline, what's going well, on? Well, I mean, Taking it's just, it's bid? like... I hate this shit because it's like we want to be happy for the thing at the moment, but the answer is, yeah, they ought to trade him because we went through a whole season of him not looking anything like this. <laughs> you just started uh, a whole new podcast. Nah, I know. I know. I'm happy he played well. I'm happy he looked good. Yeah. I hope he I hope he can continue it. I really, really like that dunk at the end where he got the like, like <laughs> Dorian Finney-Smith hot potato. Oh, <laughs> man. Like, yeah, that was dangerous. <laughs> So it was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, yes. Like, that was just basketball in a nutshell. What a riot. All right, this has been fun. I'm going to host a green room after this. Uh, Josh and I probably won't talk to you guys till sometime after Thanksgiving. We're going to post a special episode on Thanksgiving Day, but it'll be something old. You guys will get a kick out of it. All right, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow, Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, and you guys enjoy your holiday.